right now we have people joining us uh, online. So there's Facebook, uh, our app. So those of you that if you're ever traveling or uh, can't be here on a Sunday morning, you can jump on the app, you can get on Facebook Live, and you can watch us there. Um, so we need to welcome them in. So we're so glad you guys are, are watching and joining us. But m one of the best things we do here at Authentic Church is every Sunday we uh, have a group of people who take last week's message into the jail. And uh, they have uh, men and women who meet in the jail, they, so they have the, the service, and then they have, right after that, they have connect groups. And so what that does is they get the experience of authentic church on a Sunday morning. And so, hey, men and women over at the uh, Tuscarawas County Jail, you guys are part of our church family. Church, would you welcome them in? We love you guys. Come on. <laughs> love it. So, um, <laughs> so this, this past week... Um, it's, I don't know if, how many of you are involved in the fair, or what, but I have my oldest son uh, has, a, has a hog, and uh, so we had the fair experience this past week, which makes the week very interesting. So it started last Saturday. Uh, we had to load up our pig. I was trying to do lots of things on the Saturday, and so I thought, you know what, if we get over there early, we get the hog dropped off, and we'll, be, we'll beat everybody over there. So we got there at 6 a.m., and there were 50 hogs in front of us. I'm like, you people are nuts. Uh, like, uh, so they were there. They, I mean, they, they, I'm a, I'm a re recreational farmer. Uh, I, I, I do very small. They, like, there's legit farmers. And they, they were up at 2 a.m., so they were already there. I, I, yeah. So they, we get there. You drop the pig off. It's a, all week. You go feed. You got the shows. You got the, the judging. You got all that that's going on. And so it, it makes for a long week. Well, uh Thursday, some other things that happened within our church family, and, and Jolene said, hey, I need you to pick up dinner uh, on your way home. And so I said, okay, not a problem. She texts me that. And uh, well, she, she says, we, I'm sorry, let me back up. She, we are on a phone call. She says, hey, can you pick up dinner? I said, absolutely. You know what sounds great? Maselli's stuffed shells. Those would be awesome. So if you would just order those, I'll pick them up on the way home. No problem. It's like almost home cooking, right? You know? Right down the, and uh, it's no longer Marcelli's. I don't even know what it's called. What's it, what's it called now? Something else. Anyways, so uh, we, I'm like, we'll pick those up and, uh, and that'll be good. So she, uh, she texts me a little bit later, food ordered, pick up at 345. So at 345, I drive to Maselli's. I pull into Maselli's. I walk in. I said, hey, how you guys doing? Uh, they, they might know me too well. But I was like, hey, you guys, um, so um, I need, um, need to pick up the order. They looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, yeah, the, uh, my, my wife called and uh, ordered for, for McDonald's. And they're, they go through their slips. And it's a little awkward moment where I call my wife. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm here. Food's, food's not here. She's like, yeah, it's, it should be ready. They said it'd be ready at 345. I'm like, I'm here right now. That's not, they don't even have an order for it. And she goes, well, they should have it ready. I called uh, Dover Pangrazio's. I'm like, wait, 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 Dover, where, where did that, that wasn't even in our conversation. She said, yes, that's where I told you I was going to order it because it would be easy for you to pick it up on your way from the fair. I said, no, 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 I wanted to pick up from Maselli's because that's going to be right past our, like on the way home. And so what happened was, is I, her, I had a conversation and I specifically said Maselli's. She had a conversation and specifically said Dover Pangrazios. Okay, I was right. And she was wrong, right? <laughs> no? No? So here's the problem. Both of us were assuming something. 
that the other person was listening. And you know what assuming does? Because I went into Maselli's and looked like a complete assumption. Okay? Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a thing that happens here. We, we, like, I think the, uh, Charlie Brown gives us the best example. Do you guys remember Charlie Brown? Here, here's what it sounded like when the adults talked. See, that is, that is what happened on my phone call with my wife. I said, Dover Maselli's, and she said, or I said Maselli's, and she went, rah, rah, rah. that's all she heard. <laughs> or she said, Dover Fangrazies, and all I heard was, rah, 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 rah. here's the thing listening is as important as telling. So we're in this series of tell, about joining the story. It's awesome that we have these stories that we are receiving. But more importantly than what we are hearing is what we're actually understanding. Because we can hear a story and not understand it. And all we get is... And that is what has turned out the Bible has become that to many of us. Is it's become a bunch of data points and all we hear is... I'm right. You're wrong. You're going to hell. And it's turned into a bunch of data points, and the Word of God was never meant to be a list of data points. It was meant to be a story, God's story of how he was incorporating us into his story, how he wanted to be in relationship with us, how he wanted to take the shalom that was destroyed by our sin and bring forth a partnership with mankind and bring forth that and restore that shalom, that peace, that wholeness that God intended for us to be living in. That's the story that he has been telling us. But I think we miss out on it. And let me show you. And If I were to ask you real quickly, first book of the New Testament is Matthew. Most of us have either read it or at least have a good idea of what it includes. And if I were to ask you, give me one to three words on what, or give me just one sentence on what the Matthew, was, what, was, what was God trying to give to us in Matthew? Many of you, don't do it out loud, and I'm not going to ask you to do it in front of us, but many of you would say something along of love, or Jesus, or heaven, or something along, right? Like, we get salvation. Those would be things that we would all say. And I think part of us would be questioning, well, I don't know. But Matthew lays it out very clear for us. Let me, let me show you. Matthew chapter 3, in the very beginning, Matthew chapter 3 of the, of the book, it says, this is talking about, so we're talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is, has one mission. He tells them, repent of your sins and turn to God for the, say it with me, kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is near. You're going to catch, catch this in a second. The next, uh, in Matthew chapter 4. So John the Baptist is beheaded. Jesus takes on the mantle. And what does he do? From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he's speaking of the Beatitudes here. He says, God blesses, this is Jesus speaking, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the Okay, we've got about three of you ready. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will, will enter the... Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. Go and announce to them that the... 
is near. Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived. None is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the has been forcefully advancing. Violent people are attacking it. And so what, what, what's the theme that we're getting here? Anybody want to guess? Matthew lays it out as clear as possible, but many of us never have even remotely thought about the kingdom of heaven as the topic of Matthew, of the emphasis that he's putting there. In fact, Jesus is so set on this that I, I skipped over one of the verses that mentions this. In Matthew chapter 6, the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we want to learn how to pray. And he teaches them how to pray and he gives them this prayer. He says... Pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The theme of Matthew is the kingdom of heaven. In fact, last week we began looking at Matthew chapter 13 and the parables that, that the stories that Jesus uses and we're introduced to them. This week we're going to pick that back up. We're going to go right to that parable that we were using, that we began to look at last week uh, in Matthew chapter 13. So up to Matthew chapter 11, the theme has been kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew then gives us a list of parables that Jesus had shared that he says over and over that the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So what happens in chapters 11 and 12? people experience the kingdom of heaven. It's two chapters of people who have an interaction with Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is near. That is who he is. He is the demonstration of the kingdom of heaven. So he, they have this interaction and their response to the kingdom of heaven is unique because each one of them is different. There's actually three types of reactions to Jesus and the kingdom of heaven that they have. The first one is John the Baptist. In John, uh, Matthew chapter 11, you'll, I, I don't have time to get into all this. We're going to be launching connect groups uh, next week. One of them is going to be context, context, context. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to take the message and all the stuff that goes, I don't have enough time for this. I'm going to dive in on Wednesday. I, I think it's going to be Wednesday. We're going to see what day it is. But I'm going to launch a connect group that's going to be going into the d deep of what I said, hey, I wish I had time for. So in John chapter 11... He says, John, John the, uh, Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist says to Jesus, hey, aren't you supposed to be the Messiah? I heard from heaven. I was, I was there when I baptized you. The dove came down. All that stuff happened. Um, start acting like the, the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be taking place. And what he's doing is he's questioning how Jesus is bringing forth the kingdom. Another way that, that they respond is there's a list of miracles that take place. There's a people that experience. Some of them are demon-possessed, and, and Jesus heals them. There's some that are physically ill and, and sick, and he heals them. And so there's, there's a people that are responding to Jesus and his miracles. So John the Baptist is reacting to Jesus' method. The, those, that are, uh, um, those that are experiencing his miracles really like his miracles. And then there's a third group, and they're called the scribes and Pharisees. And they don't like what Jesus is doing. Because what he's doing is he's stirring the pot that they are in control of. See, as long in the Roman Empire, Jerusalem, uh, Israel was unique in that they were still left in, in power and that their religion could still operate in uh, parallel with the Roman Empire's religion. And so they, they, they have a unique setup. And so they're like, hey, Jesus, don't mess this up. 
Because as long as it's the way it is, we get money, we get power, we get control. Don't mess that up. And so Jesus begins to confront them with his kingdom, and they decide they want to murder him. So there's those that want to, there are questioning his method, there's those that are loving his miracles, and then there's those, those that want to murder him. And then in verse, uh, in chapter 13, though, that crowd that Jesus has around him is gathered. And it's, it says in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 1, and I don't have this in your notes, but it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake, and a large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Now, this is, let me give you this picture. In that crowd that he is speaking to are all three people I just talked about. There's this massive crowd that's listening to Jesus and, and how he's talking about his kingdom. And Matthew is leading us to a place of what it means as he, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven through stories. And he says to them, he says he gets in a large, large boat, uh, in a boat and, he, uh, and then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. Now, one of the cool things about the Bible, what's really powerful, is that and that what we miss out is context. You hear me say that all the time. Context, context, context. And most of the time, I'm going to bring you to the biblical context. So what's the story before? What's the story after? That's important. But there's some other things that are really important, like the language that's being used. And in this situation, this is written in Greek, but it's with a Hebrew context. So I'm not going to get you, I'm not going to overwhelm you with that. Now, the, the, the connect group that we're going to be doing, we're going to dive really deep into that stuff. But I want to show you, there's one that we miss out a lot on is the geographical context. So most scholars believe that they know where this story was taken, took place. Now, no one put a, a plaque out at this location and said, this is where Jesus told the parables. However, most of us can take the geographical uh, script, uh, scholars have look, took a look at, and they, they found, and they call it the Cove of the Sower. And here's what, an aerial view of what it looks like. So if you, this is uh, um, the Sea of Galilee. This is a cove. That is along there, and it's very unique and in, in this situation that most scholars believe that the parables were told. So Jesus gets on a boat and sits in the cove and then speaks and amplifies. And it's really cool because if you go to the next picture, uh, this, if you, uh, see, so here's the cove. And this goes up that hill that I just, the, uh, in the picture before. So these people are sitting down here. In this situation, you can actually, online, you can find uh, some um, recordings of a man who is standing right here. And he's speaking in his regular voice. And the recording is taken by one of these gentlemen on the, on the rocks. And they can hear it plain as day. It's a natural amphitheater. And Jesus would have been speaking to them. And if you can imagine, go to that next picture. Is there another picture? No? Go back to the next picture, that first picture. Sorry. You can imagine this whole cove is full of thousands of people listening to Jesus speak. And in that crowd are those people that are those that are questioning Jesus. There's those that are loving the miracles and they want more of those. And then there's those that want to murder him. And Jesus begins to tell them a story. He says, he told them many stories in the form of parables such as this. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock and the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 
60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, Jesus is inviting them into this. And remember, we talked about this a lot last week, that Jesus tells these parables, and they they question, Jesus, why are you telling these parables? In fact, let's go ahead and read that. Uh, It says, uh, his disciples came to him and asked, why do you use the parables when you talk to the people? Like, why why are you telling these stories? Is this just an agriculture lesson? No, he says, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but the others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they really don't listen or understand. So Jesus is saying those that hear, have an ear, should listen and understand. He invites them into the story. He's telling them, hey, there's some things going on here. I I want to help you get this, but you've got to dive in. You've got to be willing to make the investment to go into the next step. And so it's interesting, though, because in our context, we understand farming at some levels, but we don't understand this concept of farming because there's a lot of questions I have from my perspective. But if you understand Israel farming, it helps you in this picture. So let me take you there. In in 2010, uh, Pastor Corey and myself got the opportunity to go to, to Israel and here's an aerial, uh, well, I was actually, this is, uh, we were on this mountain. We took a picture across this valley. And you can see something that uh, is unique to Israel, is that these are all different fields owned by different families. So in Israel, and here we have farming, and it's one farmer farms a lot of, hundreds of acres at a time. There, every family, especially in the time of Jesus, they had their own plot of land. So they lived in a city, and then they would go out to their farmland, the plot that they owned, and they would plan it depending on what they, were, what, what they wanted to take to market. So you can see in this picture, different plants have been planted by different, by different folks. There were different families. So go to the next picture. You can see here is, I wish, see, this isn't a very good quality picture. Unfortunately, I took it with an iPhone. Um, so it's just not that quality. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, it is from 2010, so it's been a couple years. So here we have this, this picture here, uh, and uh, th- this is two different fields. So this field is owned by one family. This field is owned by another. And if you look at it, you can see on this side, uh, there's a uh, divided line right here. And I'm going to show you a better picture in just a second. On this side, this one has been harvested already, and they brought sheep in because what they would do is after they harvest the land, they would then t- uh, take the, the sheep and let them eat what was left over. Makes sense, right? Then on this side, you can see it's a beginning to get uh, harvested. And you can even see some of the sheaves there that they've put together. And in this picture, you've got a couple things I want to point out before I go to the next one. Here is the road. A road would go in between them. The path. The path that was well worn down. And and nothing's going to grow there, right? Then you see the good soil on each side. And then in between, this uh, is actually a rock wall. Let me take, go to the next picture. You can see here, here is the rock wall. It's hard to see. But then around that rock wall is what? Thorns. So in this picture, you're getting a pic, what, what, in Israel, and that Jesus is telling the story, they immediately understood what Jesus was, show, was talking about. This farmer would go out, he would toss the seed, 
And it was by nature, natural, that the wind would take that seed and put some against the rocks that were the wall. And some would go into the thorns that were against that same wall. And then others would go into the, onto the road that was already there. Because you wouldn't walk where you're planting, or you wouldn't have a path where you're walking or on, in the field. And then there's the good soil, four different areas. Each one of them completely understood by those that are hearing this. So now that you have a picture of that, now, now the question is, well, okay, is Jesus just giving them an, a lesson on, you know, how to take care of their soil? No. He goes much deeper. In, in Matthew chapter uh, 13, verse 16, he says, Now that you've come to me and, and want some more information, let me give you a deeper explanation. And he says to them, There's a key, I want, there might be a key word that I want you to see here. In Matthew chapter uh, 13, verse 16, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. You see the the key word there is here and was planted in their hearts. The seed uh, on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The third soil, the, the seed that fell among the thorns, represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. See, we call this the parable of the sower. It has nothing to do with the sower. Everything has to do with what? The soil. And the soil represents who? The hearer. And he's telling them, hey, I, I want, before we go any further and I tell you any more stories about the kingdom of heaven and I give you any more information, it's important that you understand how you are listening. We talked about this last week. Great stories make us ask great questions. Great stories make us ask great questions. And, and here's, see, stories don't tell you what to do. Stories invite you into the story so that you can bring yourself into it and how it's going to apply to what's going on in you. What, what is it confronting in you? And the, this is, I was sharing this with some pastors, and this is a sad thing of where we are in Christianity. Because I've had some questions, and I've, 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 you know, hey, say, I've told them, hey, I'm doing a series that I'm, I'm hoping will make people ask questions. And like that, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to give answers. You're supposed to go to the Bible and tell them black and white what the answers are. That's not the responsibility ever. Jesus doesn't even take that on. Jesus says, you've heard it said he's, he's God, but he tells the stories to prompt them to ask the questions so that they can respond in their heart. See, it has, you can memorize this back, forwards and backwards. You can know it inside and out. But if you don't have a change of heart, it doesn't matter. 
See, the, the Hebrew language doesn't even have, we, we want to say, oh, we want to understand it, so I have to read it and get logically understand it. The Hebrew language doesn't even have a word for the brain. They have a word for the heart. So when they talk about the, the seed that fell, that was supposed to be planted in someone's heart, but they didn't hear it. They missed out. It's all because God's looking for a change in your heart. How are you listening? So the questions that we've talked about last week, when you're at great stories and make you ask great questions, is what is being confronted? So in this story, what is being confronted? How you listen. So what are you being invited to? To change the way you listen. To look at your soil. And how do you live this out? So here's, let's look at this, this story that God's given to us. Jesus gives us this, this, these questions, and he gives us a, a story. And so how are, how we respond to it? What are we being invited to? It says, this, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, but don't understand it. They fall on the path. How does a path get created? The path gets created by being walked on over and over again. Some of you here approach the Word of God that way. You feel like you've been walked on over and over again. You've gone through life and you've been hurt, you've been abused, and many times you even question God, why would you let this happen to me? And you feel like you're a path. And when God tries to plant something in your heart, it just simply bounces off. And something comes along, the birds come along and steal it from you. And it never even gets the chance to grow because you have been hurt. You've been walked on. And you're, you approach this and you go, you know what? No one, no one ever listens to me, so why should I listen? And you harden yourself to the point that God's word can't be planted. And the story that he wants to have in you can never take root. Some of you are like the rocky soil. The rocky soil has, it, it begins to grow, but as it grows, it can't get its roots down deep. There's too many rocks there. And, and here, here's the thing. Is your heart trusting? So is your heart hard? Is your heart trusting? And here's what I mean. See, we want, we, we want God's story. We want to hear a story like my, my life produced 30, 60, 100 fold. I want my life to be producing. And, but is my heart trusting God's story over mine? Because what happens is we got a little bit of soil and we want it to grow, but then we put our story over it. We think God should be acting in certain ways. And we can't have two stories going on at the same time. See, the problem is it's a lot of like the... We go to God's story with assumptions. Our society has told us, Christianity has taught us, that if you're a Christian, then it's, you're supposed to be prosperous. If you're a Christian, then it's supposed to be smooth sailing. If you're a Christian, then there's not going to be any difficult times and not going to be any persecution. It's, it's not what the Bible says. See, the kingdom of heaven, is, is, he says, there comes a time where it hits you and what you thought was growing wilts because the sun hits it too hard. So what happens when you say, I've been praying for that to, 
for that to go away. It doesn't go away. What happens when the healing we've been praying for never materializes? What happens when the difficulty that we're, we're going through just keeps hitting us? What happens when the bank account doesn't change? Is it that God doesn't care and do we vote away? The problem is that we've approached God's story with our assumption. The third type of, of soil is the one that has the thorns. And it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So what happens is we have these things in our life and they crowd out God's story. There are all kinds of things that it could be. It, it could be the, the thing that you're maybe even taking notes on right now. It's used for a good thing right now, but then a notification comes up and it distracts you from the fruit that God wanted to produce. It could be the story that you're trying to materialize and produce and work really hard to create. And, and God's going, that's the lure of wealth and you're missing out on what I want to do in your story. All these things come, we have these three different soils and, and God says you, you need to evaluate what kind of soil you are. So God invites, it confronts us with our, our soil. How are we hearing him? And then he invites us to, to change where we're at. See, it challenges us to do this every day though. The, the path that's been worn down for those of you that have a heart, there's only a hard heart. There's only one way to change a hard heart, and that's for to be allow it to be plowed. That's to allow it to be tilled up, and that hurts, and it takes time and a lot of effort. And if you're here this morning, there's there's some things maybe in your life that you feel like are God trying to pound against you, and what it is is God's just trying to get his into your heart and allow your heart to be toiled up and to, for there to be a moment where what he needs to be planted is put into your heart for those of you that are that are experiencing the the rockiness and you've got your story overlaid god's story i've got to experience this in israel in that same field uh the one that one right near there was had already been plowed and the animals had been through it and the our our leader took us into the field and said i want you to go ahead and find a rock and take it and put it on the wall it was pretty cool as 40 some of us all went out into this field and found huge rocks and the question is why were these rocks left there why didn't the farmer get rid of that well if you've done any farming or any gardening you know rocks always move to the top and so as, as you use the soil and plant in the soil and harvest out of the soil, some things are going to be revealed to you that you didn't know were even there. Some issues that you need to work on, you didn't know you needed to work on them. But see, God's taking you on this journey and you've produced and you've had some harvest and he's going, that's awesome. But now you've got to get rid of that rock. And when the rock is too big, what the farmer would do is literally take a sledgehammer into the field, break the rock apart, and throw it against the wall. See, if you've got those rocks in your life, it's time to remove them. Go through your life and look at what's keeping you from producing 
the way that God's called you to produce. So that when the difficult times come, your roots will be deep and you'll be able to produce. And those that have the thorns and distractions, it's unique in, in this situation. What they do is each year they take the soil or they, after they've harvested and they've gone through all that and they've let the, the animals graze, they will light controlled burns. And they'll burn the fields so that that way all the thorns are completely removed. Not some of them, all of them. And that's what you need to do in your, in your life. And you need to look at, at your life. And again, a story isn't going to tell you what to do. The story is going to invite you to look at your life. What's your distraction? Lord Jesus, today we come before you, a God who loves us and cares for us and wants to partner with us. Lord, we want to move into a relationship with you and, and be strengthened by you. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. So Lord, we have a hard heart. We invite you to till our hearts. Lord, if we have rocks that need to be removed, please help us to see them and remove them. And Lord, the thorns that are choking out your story, help us to identify them and burn them out. Lord, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.